0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive when you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets for any other tasks that you've got to get done. Listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the Bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on
0: the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another podcast of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio here, WGR Sports Radio 550, and Bills Radio Sideline Reporter, which it's coming up soon. I'm going to be on the sidelines for games pretty soon, folks. We are getting to training camp, and then the regular season. And as always, I'm joined by WKBW-TV Channel 7's Matt Bove, who has plenty of experience down there. It's always fun catching those shots with your video camera, Matt, and uh, being a part of the action for sure. No doubt, and we're, we're really close, buddy.
1: Yeah, I'm getting it's crazy that Mandatory Minicamp has now wrapped up. And that means the next time we see the Bills on the field, it will be for training camp. Mandatory minicamp, it was only two days. They've wrapped things up early. They seem to always kind of do that. These guys are now, some of them are gonna go home, some of them are going to go on vacation, a lot of them are going to continue to work out kind of at their own schedule. And then it's time to move into the dorm rooms at St. John Fisher College for a couple of weeks. It's almost like, you know, it, it's funny, it's been two years removed, but it feels like yesterday that we we were back at Fisher for the 2019 training camp. And if we only knew then what we know now about not only the bills,
0: but also about like the world, man, what a different time. No doubt. I mean, your life has changed dramatically. You've gotten married, I believe since then, has that been, when did you get married?
1: I got married right before training camp of 2019, but it was all in one month. It was buy a house, get married and then become sports director at channel seven. And that all happened in like three weeks. So somebody joked with me when it was, you know, my first day back to work, which was the first day of training camp that year. And they're like, man, it's all downhill from here. And I'm like, yeah, you're kidding. But actually it might be all downhill from here.
0: So um, I want to get into this about training camp in a second, because it is important to note that they will be back at St. John Fisher. Uh, but the bills did wrap up mini camp. And we're going to talk a lot our, about our observations, what we saw Tuesday and Wednesday. And as Matt just said, it's, pretty common that they they cancel that third day. If they do team building and team bonding exercises. The players will still be there. I think they're going to go in for meetings, maybe work out, things like that, and then Sean McDermott will release them for the, whatever, five weeks until training camp begins. I go back to the days at Fisher and really even before max was born my son who's 8 years old and thinking about you know being out there and staying in the dorms and it really is dorm life so i bring my coffee maker i bring my mm-hmm. television i put my two big small beds together to make one big bed and it is dorm life now since then max is older he's playing sports i'm coming home a little bit more now it's been 2 years since i've been there he'll be coming out with my wife yana for some training camp practices so it will be quite different in my own personal life for it but i have to tell you i love the camaraderie part of it with all of my colleagues, our colleagues, uh, the guys and the gals that cover the bills that are out there. And just the sense of football, it's football and watching it and getting up in the morning, getting a coffee, going down and watching football practice, getting on the radio and talking about it.
1: And I think that they genuinely enjoy it. Also, I think staying in Buffalo is convenient. It's what they were able to do the last couple of years. There are a lot of of perks to staying in Buffalo, but there's a reason they're going back. They like the team building aspect of it. They like getting away and kind of starting the season. This is the unofficial start of the season. I know we go through all of these phases of the offseason. There's voluntary workouts. There's mini camp. There's rookie mini camp. There's all these different things that happen, but training camp really is the marker that starts the new season. And I think there's something to be said about putting those guys in dorm rooms and they're just like anybody else who's in those dorm rooms. They're playing cards. They're playing video games with each other. They're screwing around. They're having fun. Like that's what the perfect way to kind of start the season is for them. And I think it does make those guys even closer off the field. And that ultimately helps them on the field.
0: We know how much Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott care about that particular piece, that culture that they're building and the bonding of all the players and things like that. That's going to happen, I believe. Report date, not official, but uh, we've been told it looks like July 23rd will be when they're reporting, and that's going to be the Mm -hmm. first weekend. And the Bills will be allowed to start earlier than most teams because they are playing in that Thursday night opener against the Rams. The new CBA says... I say new, it's two years old now, 47 (laughs) days from your first regular season game. So if you go back, it would be that weekend. So because they're playing in that opener, Matt, that means we don't get that final weekend to ourselves. And we're going to have to be out at Fisher basically covering football.
1: Well, I guess I'm happy because the Saturday, the 23rd is my wife's 30th birthday.
0: And I
1: said, Hey, let's plan a little day for your 30th birthday. And then when the bills got the Rams game, I kind of did the math in my head and I was like, Oh no they're going to practice on the 23rd. That's going to be the first day. I don't know what I'm going to do, but now it seems like they're just going to move in on the 23rd. We won't be there until the 24th. So mini crisis averted in the household.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Good for you. For sure. Good for you. We will get the official schedule sometime soon from the bills. And I know fans want to know when they can go to St. John Fisher in the meantime, Matt and I have been out at OTAs and minicamp, and they just had mandatory minicamp. So let's kind of rewind a little bit here, if we can, and just kind of reset. The big story going into minicamp really was Jordan Poyer, Matt, and that was, Mm would he or won't he show up? We knew going in that he would a day beforehand because of a report from Adam Schefter. Now, of course, until you get there and see it, you know, you have to see it. And then there was the thought, is he going to be a hold in, so to speak, which is he shows up and he doesn't do anything? That didn't happen. Jordan Poyer was there. He participated in every drill that I saw, individual with his team, his uh defensive backs in team defense, in offense, in defense against the offense in seven on seven and eleven on eleven. And I it looked like full systems go for Jordan Poyer, even though the situation isn't resolved. I think that's a good sign.
1: We were all following Jordan Poyer around for the first practice because it was the first time we have seen him. <laughs> And he noticed all of the cameras. He noticed all of the reporters over there. And he just kind of looked at us and was like, what do you guys all need? And we're like, (laughs) well, you know what we need. We're all here for you. And he did every, like you said, he was part of all of the drills that he would normally be part of. I think that's a good sign. All of this being said, I don't know what it means for the future with the bills and for Jordan Poyer. I don't know if it means that, Hey, he was here for these two days of mandatory mini camp. This is now water under the bridge and they can push to this, to the side until next off season. I don't necessarily get that impression. I feel like this was almost kind of like a good faith offering from Jordan Poyer. Like, Hey, I'm going to come, but I still really think I deserve a new contract. So I'm curious to see how it plays out from here because I also think he would report to training camp, but I also think just kind of the vibes that I've gotten, it's like he's here because he wants to be for his teammates, but he also still thinks that he deserves to be paid. And when you look at some of the other guys around the league that have gotten paid these last couple months and these last couple years, he he has a strong case.
0: Yeah, and just the day that we're recording this here on the day after the second day of minicamp, June 15th, make a Fitzpatrick. It's a monster deal for the Steelers. Now he's 25, Jordan Poyer's 31. Of course that has to be considered, but the longer it always goes on with any of these guys, the more the market gets kind of reset. And you look, does Drew Rosenhaus look at that deal and say, Hey, look how much that guy's making. My guy's is is an all pro He's a first team all pro. You can't get any better than that. And that I think is the tough situation for Brandon Bean, how he has to handle this because I don't think Brandon Bean would say that Jordan Poyer doesn't deserve to get paid. The question is, How high do you want to go? And for how long with a 31-year-old safety? And I think that's the question and the issue that he's going to have to struggle with as they go through this process.
1: And that's why it's so interesting because if the bills can get him locked into a short-term deal, then I think it makes sense for them. But I don't necessarily think it makes sense for him. When you look at his age and when you look at the fact that he's coming off of his best season as a pro, more likely than not, he's trying to cash in on one more big contract that probably is going to be his last big contract. Maybe he signed something smaller down the road, but I think that's kind of what he wants. Like, Let's sign one big contract here. Let's ride off into the sunset and let's set my family and myself up for the rest of my life. The bills are probably like, listen, We're really close to a Super Bowl. And we really want you to be part of the team that wins the Super Bowl if we get there, because you were so crucial in kind of building this organization, this culture, and helping turn things around. But we can't give everybody money. And with the way he, you know, with his age and with Micah Hyde's age, to commit to that long term seems a bit worrisome from the Bills standpoint. And they got to figure out, and we don't even know the answer to this. Do they want Hyde to be the guy that's here for long-term? Do they want it to be Poyer? Do they think they can move on from one and not the other? Do they think that they need both of those guys? And I think it's an interesting conversation. I think they both have really important roles on this team, and the Bills are absolutely a better team with Jordan Poyer on the field and with Micah Hyde on the field. But will they be a better team next year if Jordan Poyer's the guy who gets paid and maybe they don't have the money for Ed Oliver or for Dawson Knox or for... Tremaine Edmonds or, or whoever it happens to be like, it's a very complicated situation. They find themselves in this is also a result of them being really good. This is
0: what really good teams have to deal right. with. No doubt about it. And these things are going to keep coming up. Even a guy like Gabriel Davis could start renegotiating next year after his third year. Like he's allowed to do that. If he has a big season, he wants to. So Brandon Bean has to start thinking about all of those things down the line. All right, Matt. So it was hot out there outside the ad pro sports training center. Uh, we were out there for a couple of days Jordan Poyer's story and situation kind of just took care of itself, I guess. But what stood out to you? Is there any particular player or something that happened? Any particular situation that you're thinking about and saying, you know what? I think that was notable for me as I was watching these two practices.
1: I have a strange one to lead off, but it was one of the things that jumped out to me. I think Tavon Austin might make this team. I I think when they signed Tavon Austin, my thought was, this is a guy he is going to come in and compete for a job, but I think it's an outside shot that he makes the team. It's two days of mini camp, so I don't want to blow things out of proportion, but just the way that he moves, the way that he was utilized with what we were able to see, just kind of the skill set that he has. I think there's a role on this team for a guy like that. And it's going to me, if he makes the team, that means that somebody we thought was going to make the team, Probably won't. I don't know who that's going to be. I still to this, I still think that there are like four or five guys that you're like, yes, they're making the team. And for me, that's Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Jamison Crowder, Isaiah McKenzie, and Khalil Shakir. I think those guys are like, yep, they're making the team really regardless of what happens in the next couple months. Then we get to the next tier of him, Tavon Austin, Jake Kumaro. Isaiah Hodgins, all of those guys. So I think Tavon Austin has looked good in the very small sample size that we've had. He's still got some juice. It was, you know, Josh throwing him the ball a lot. That's something in itself that it's Josh throwing him the ball. And I think that Tavon Austin has, you know, has a real shot.
0: And I don't think I would have said that a week ago. I love it. And I agree with you the word juice is what I described and how I said it on WGR on my afternoon hit with show Up the bulldog as well. I said, Tavon Austin has juice. I mean, he does. I, I agree with you. Now, the question I have though, is how long does that juice last at his age? He's been training. He's been ready for this. He's, he's trying to get back after. It. He's trying to make a name for himself again in the league. And he even talked about this. Once they get to training camp, And he's been out there for a little bit and the pads come on. Can he keep that up? But I agree with you as of right now, I think it's really interesting. There's such a cross section of skill sets with a lot of these guys with the Marquez Stevenson's and the um, Jamison Crowder playing in the slot and Isaiah McKenzie and the return game with all these guys. I mean, they got, they have so many, I guess you'd say slot receivers, right? Who can do a lot of different things. I don't know how all of this is going to play out, but it's certainly going to be interesting in one of the position battles we're going to be watching. I think Isaiah Hodgins looked pretty good. I think Taylor, Tanner Gentry looked pretty good, but I've said that about these guys over the last few years. Yep. There's just, I mean, on, Brandon Riley, Des Lewis, pick your name, Matt. We've seen these guys who've come in who've looked really good before the pads come on. And then all of a sudden they're nowhere to be found.
1: Yeah. And then on the other side of the ball with the defense, I think even with the addition of Von Miller, they're Mm -hmm. really going to lean into the rotation that they have used the last couple of years. And it's going to be different bodies this year than it has been the last couple of years. Boogie Basham almost looks like a different guy, just his body. I agree. He's he's wearing a different number. Can I tell you something?
0: Somebody emailed me and asked me, they said, I thought Jerry Hughes signed with Houston. They were totally serious and thought, Boogie Basham was Jerry Hughes in yep. a video they saw. And I do explain, no Boogie Basham changed his number to 55, but to your point, I mean, think about the two body types and yeah. somebody
1: thought that was Jerry Hughes. I mean, they drafted Boogie Basham to kind of be like a flexible option that could play on the interior that could play on the exterior. And now just with his body, like it just gives them, I think another viable option. And after Von Miller, And then Greg Rousseau, like those guys are going to get some run. I know Shaq Lawson is coming back, but how much juice does he have left in the tank? But then you got to lean on a guy like Boogie Basham, AJ Appanessa as well. But something about Basham has just kind of jumped off the page. And it's very clear what Von Miller thinks of Greg Rousseau, because the way he explained it when we talked to him was like, Working with Greg Rousseau is like polishing a diamond. You see what's there. You just kind of have to make some tweaks to it, and you can really get the most of it. And I think that that's going to be a nice combination because it's it's just kind of obvious. Von Miller is going to garner so much attention from opposing teams that now you have guys like Ed Oliver and Greg Rousseau who can just kind of go out and hunt. So I think that Boogie Basham has been another player that stood out the last couple of days, and I think he might be poised to make maybe more of an impact, definitely more of an impact than he made last year, and maybe be closer to what we thought we would see last year, just a year later.
0: He's Matt Bove. I'm Sal Capaccio. It's always game day in Buffalo here, wherever you pod and whether that's Apple or Spotify, however you get your podcasts, we're going to be here for you. We're going to be doing it all season long. Really looking forward to it. It's been a really nice uh, start to this. I've enjoyed it. And I know Matt and I are going to be looking forward to bringing you a lot more Bill's content. So as we roll on, on our OTA observations, I think the two rookies are guys we have to talk about. Kyrie Elam had his first interception on Wednesday from what I saw. I mean, who knows? He could have had interceptions on days we weren't out there, Matt. But from what I saw, his first interception, it was a miscommunication. Josh Allen was either throwing to Gabriel Davis or Jamison Crowder. I couldn't tell. But I give Kyrie Elam credit. He was running the route still, and he knew where that ball was going. He kind of read it, and he stayed under it, and he he really sprinted to the ball. He got it. The defense went you know wild. It was great. It was great to see. And then on the other side of the ball, and, and I'll say, I think he's at a nondescript camp, which is okay right? I mean, we're not talking about him getting beat all the time, which is really good. I don't think he's had these flash plays. I'm okay with that. Now, the other side of the ball, I think James Cook looks super explosive, but this is a guy I just want to temper my expectations until they get pads on because it's real easy to look super explosive when nobody's really trying to knock you off your path. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's something that we've talked about standing on the sidelines. It's something that our buddy Joe Bascalia has told me time and time again, when we worked together over Channel 7, he was always like temper running back expectations yeah. when there's no pads on and when these guys aren't getting taken to the ground because it always looks like they're doing more than they actually are you don't know how they're going to hit the hole you don't know if they're going to get swallowed up and just pushed to the side but james cook has a step to that guy like that guy is a weapon. And I know that the front office was elated to get him where they were able to get him just because it's a piece that they don't already have. And that's what you do to get from one of the best teams in the NFL to maybe the best team in the NFL. You need to add playmakers who give you a dynamic that you don't already have and James cook does that. I think he's been kind of what I expected, but we'll find out once we get to the actual games, once we get to the preseason, as for Kyrie Lam, he's doing exactly what he needs to do at this point. Go in there, learn the playbook, learn the guys in the secondary that you're going to be there with, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, see how they react to things, get a better understanding of what the defense is going to be trying to do every time. And it's almost like the trial by fire thing. You throw him into a bigger role than maybe he's ready for. Then when Tredavious comes back, Maybe the guys that he's going against are a step slower. Maybe it's not as tough of a challenge. Maybe he's not lining up against Stefan Diggs at practice. He's lining up against Gabriel Davis. That's no knock on Gabe Davis. It's just like Tredavious White is going to be their lockdown corner, or he's at least going to lock down a side of the field. Whenever he comes back, that should give Elam some more favorable matchups as he continues to kind of grow into the player that Bills fans are hoping it can become.
0: And Bills fans, we did not forget about those of you who want to know about Matt Ariza and holding. It happened on Wednesday, but not in the sense that you would want to see. It wasn't with an actual field goal or extra point, you know, um uh, through with, with the offensive line and blocking and all that. But he was holding. He just wasn't holding from Reed Ferguson. <laughs> One of the, the some of the, the best parts of practice we're watching, Tyler Bass snap the ball to Matt Ariza while Reed Ferguson was standing there. And he literally, and I have video of this on my Twitter feed at South Sports. He like fell backward because he was so impressed. Like, oh my God, he did it. And then Matt Ariza snapped the ball to either Matt Hawker, Tyler Bass, whoever it was. It was just funny the way they did that. But we did see it. We just haven't seen it in a regular setting yet.
1: Yeah. So we can wait, we can pause on the holding (laughs) conversation and we're not going to have to talk about it for at least like five more weeks. Once we get to training camp and they do their special teams portion of the practice, when everybody who's at camp is going to watch, then we can get out our, you know, our magnifying glass and take out our notebook and figure out exactly how he's doing in the holding game.
0: Matt and I have a very special guest who has a very special talent. In fact, a lot of different talents that we're going to talk to next. We appreciate you staying with us right here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo.